Hello, hello, and bienvenue. Today, uh, Christopher Driver is I, and with me is Jordan Roy, here on Frivolous Gravitas for episode 15, where the soup du jour is the subject of forgiveness. Today, Jordan's going to take us through the concept of forgiveness, and we'll hash out some ideas and thoughts on how it, uh, how it is applied and uh, what it is, uh, what it means to us. So with that, I'll let Jordan take the reins and... Uh, Oh, that's episode 15 already. Um, I hope someone's watching. But uh, the I've been banding about with this idea uh, for a while because um, it serves me quite well in my personal life um, uh, in multiple ways. And it often is dismissed, but... Um, in my studies of of uh, Christian faith and morality, and uh, over the course of my history studies, because you can't really avoid Christianity when you're studying uh, history, especially if you go back uh, a couple hundred years or so, or if you're learning about the end of the Roman Empire and stuff like that, um, you need to understand uh, the Christian faith at least um, to some extent, because you won't be able to understand a lot of the actions uh, that people were taking in history without it, especially if you're looking at something like the Reformation. You can't understand the Reformation without understanding um, the, uh, the background or the philosophical underpinnings of it. Um, if you're actually interested in that, I guess Ryan Reeves has a good... Um, podcast i don't know if he runs it anymore but he's got he's a um theologist who runs history of the christian religion and he does a really good job of explaining it um <clears throat> anyway uh plugging someone i'm not being paid uh like his channel um yeah, not affiliated we should point out yeah if you get he gets ownery about it yeah now one of the things though is that even now full disclosure i'm not christian i don't follow the core tenets of that faith um much too uh i'm sure the disappointment of certain people in my life who i we still um care for each other so which is more important to me um but the i still see the value in a lot of the teachings um not all of them but in the core fundamentals that underpin um, the that faith, I there is a lot that is worth engaging in. Um, and one of the core values is forgiveness. Now, forgiveness it does sound like a you know, fancy word. You know, we use it and we bandy it about all the time, and it's just fluffy philosophical thing that we don't really think of very often but it is one of the most powerful things um at our disposal in creating uh peace uh between people between groups of people and between us and ourselves um and i think it's worthy to explore it uh due to that now the other thing is that um, it's probably, if you're doing it properly, 
it's probably one of the hardest things that you probably could do, which is why, uh, it, well, it's really easy to attack. It's really easy to, you know, throw a fist or to uh, have a um, have a Twitter fight or something like that. It's it's really hard to um, try and understand the other side, even though you don't have to agree with it and be like, either ask or give forgiveness. Um, and to preface this, um, this doesn't mean I'm a pacifist <laughs> at all. Um, in fact, far from it. I, uh, I believe in peace. I don't believe that, I don't believe that humans are capable of um, perfect peace is always going to be, you know, a bunch of young people get together and look at a car and start smashing it. Oops. But how would you define pacifism then? Just a sort of, uh... uh, well, like total pacifism. Like I will not raise a fist in anger to any, uh, object, animal or man. Except in self-defense kind of thing. Not even in self-defense. Oh, so that's so you're the, a pure pacifist, then, in my opinion. Well, no, no, that that's how I would define pacifism. I'm oh, not I see, a, I see, I see. I'm not a pure pacifist. I got you. Sorry. If someone <laughs> tries to come for me or mine, um, I'll drop them. Gotcha, like, gotcha. And I probably won't ask. I won't feel very much remorse. Or, but the pure pacifist would be like the radical, I guess. Yeah, and I've met them, and they're admirable in their way, um, because they have that that. Um, and I have almost have that purity of action that, uh, that they can subscribe to. And it is a, it is a moral and an ethical, um, uh, thing. I almost akin it. I almost, uh, equate it with, um, sobriety. They choose not to because they see it as a, a poison and to some extent violence is now, I'm of the opinion that now it's an opinion, I guess, but that man was created in to some extent to be capable of it if it's necessary. Um, and, but like to prefer peace is definitely the higher path. Um, and we've definitely learned that in the last um, hundred years. Um, and it's slowly becoming more and more, um, ingrained in our society but uh it's you can't eradicate there's always going to be you know chaotic nature you get up your day have a bad day you do a few stupid things and you punch a guy in the face oops like honestly i'm not saying he, you shouldn't be held accountable for your actions because you had a bad day but you know we don't always have the best judgment um and sometimes we don't have the best judgment as groups of people uh, and, mm -hmm. but which is why we come together and talk now to that. And this is don't want to get into pacifism, but pacifism is also really boring. Um, you're not going to make too many movies about, you know, two countries that sat together and just didn't fight. It's like <laughs> conflict is what makes stories because <laughs> conflict is where we make our decisions in our life. And so, that's a lot of what the Christian faith is founded on, right? It was always, it was written and, and, and doctrines were basically, um, they were all about conflict. Right. Uh, 
So, and I've got, I've got, I've got a bunch of quotes here. I'm going to bring them in every once in a while. So we have okay. this quote from Matthew 26, where Jesus is being confronted and he says, put your swords back in your place or back in its place. Jesus said to him for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. And this is, it sounds so cliche, but it, it, there's a lot there. Um, if you, and this is why I'm a, tentative pacifist i guess <laughs> a moderate conditional pacifist yeah i'm a moderate and like everything it's like which pisses everyone off um <laughs> moderatism should be a thing they <laughs> think they're calling it centrism now in the political sphere but um I mean, a lot of places do call it a moderate but yeah uh it's the uh piss everyone else everyone in the world off card but uh anyway so this quote is it a quote? Did Jesus say it? Oh, okay. Well, it's up to you whether it's a quote or a <laughs> citation. Uh, so put your sword back in its place. Like get rid of your sword for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Okay. That sounds deep. And he goes on to say like, do not think that I cannot summon, you know, a host of archangels to defend me, but I wouldn't cause I'm better than that. I mean, that's not who I am. That's not the kind of guy like I can, I am capable of wrath, but I will not. And I'm warning you that you, if you commit this violence, would be doing more harm to yourself than to me because I, I can die. I'll just die. Like, and, but you, you'll go on fighting this battle that has nothing to do with me. Um, so, you know, you stab a guy and you stab another guy and you stab another guy. And then you are caught in this, um, you're almost trapped in this violence that has nothing to do with the people you're hurting, really. You are worried. You are fear. And this is why I keep bringing this up in all our podcasts is that fear is the actual enemy that <laughs> drives us to do all this. I'm afraid, so I'm going to lash out and, and, and try and you know fight this weird fight that I think I need to fight. Now, you will like if you so he doesn't get stabbed um obviously but he gets taken away uh now he probably wishes he did though that would be a way better <laughs> death than being crucified well another guy had to stab jesus but uh <laughs> kind of part of the action that was a spear though it's yeah it was different. a spear thanks for uh I didn't, <laughs> thanks for getting that. Um, the job? <laughs> yeah. So there's another from that same book, uh, I believe very early on. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I say to you, do not resist those who is evil are evil. Uh, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn him to the other also. Okay. So I'm not saying, now this is preaching that, you know, violence is a trap, obviously. Now, what I'm interested in is the, the cycle that he's, um, that he's referencing here that Matthew, I guess, is talking about, because um, my thought is, is that when you say all who draw the sword will die by the sword isn't that like you know you're just if you're going to go into battle you're going to die in battle that's where you're going to meet your end well yes but you are stuck on a wheel of fire um 
as I guess King Lear would have said. Um, and this wheel it turns, you run over somebody and then somebody runs over you. <laughs> so it keeps coming back upon you. It fuels the momentum in other words, right? Right. So you stab somebody, they stab you. When does it end? Until there's only one person left, then they're king of nothing mountain. And I, there's no point to that. The, the end result of your actions lends not only you to die by the sword, but everyone you love will die in the same way. And we have been fighting this fight and we've, it's almost in our nature, um, at least in our old nature. Um, we've been a lot more peaceful in the last hundred years in a very strange way um, because it's almost, well, we've been living longer. We've been drinking less as a society. We've been thinking we're more things. educated. Yeah. Um, we're less impulsive. Our, um, but like I'm saying on a whole, we can always come up with exceptions on the micro level. Now, I almost think we, almost, we, we just sort of shifted our, our, obsessions over from violence and stuff to like sport and games and entertainment and things like that to sort of as you an know, outlet i it. i've been thinking that too because um i'll watch a hockey game and uh well sometimes me and megan will say stuff like you know 300 years ago or 200 years ago all these men would have been soldiers and now yeah we're letting them hit each other but like they get off the ice you know, hitting each other, beating each other up, they get off the ice and you put them in a bar together, they'll, it'll be amicable for the most part. Yeah, and they shake hands before they even get off the ice. Right. And this is peaceful. Um, Now they do sacrifice other things like, you know, their body at 45, but you know, they also get money. So (laughs) shucks. (laughs) Concussion and brain trauma. Yeah. That's Um, a subject of another discussion though. Yeah. I almost want to bring in, um, Megan's brother to talk about that. He was a football player, so he'd have more insight. That'd be a good episode. Anyway, so where was I? Um, so we've got this in, in prehistory. We're competing tribes for very little food because we didn't have the technology to um, grow very much. And we were spending all of our time and we didn't know it was over the hill. And over the hill was probably actually uh, barbarians uh, coming to take your stuff and women. And now we know who's over the hill and we're hoping he has an internet connection so he can talk to us, um, which is different. So, um, and we also hope they have the freedom to talk to us because we want friends. Um, But over the hill would have been a guy with a sword who wants to take your stuff because um, it was a booty economy. You go and you take, you don't grow and create value. And it's, it's, um, you take by the sword and that's your economy. You look at the Vikings who were, uh, their economy was built around farming to small, small extent and raiding. Everything they had was brought in from outside, um, to them for the most part. And economies existed like this for, um, thousands of years with a few exceptions being some of the larger, um, centralized parts of the larger empires um how much of that do you think was extortion like the vikings going to a lord from nearby and saying hey you either prepare grains of rice for us or you know we'll come back every two months for your rice and 
well, if you well, don't the feudal, have it, we'll steal it. Well, the feudal system can be seen as um, a complex system of extortion. Uh, no, but I meant from the Vikings over to the people they were raiding, as opposed to just oh. going and destroying everything every time they raided. It would probably be a lot more economical for them. Long-term sustainability, I'm talking. Well, they were thinking about that with the um, when they were hitting when they hit Britain and they saw a weak Saxon, well, the weak Saxon kingdoms, um, and they were going in and. Sometimes they extorted, but oftentimes the thing with the Vikings specifically was um, they liked to raid. It was part of their culture to, well, if you read their stories, um, well, we need to find peace. No, attack, fight. <laughs> uh, like their, their, their entire culture is built around like, so we said, you know, if you come home, sorry, if you come home and you, 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 you come to your wife, you haven't seen in four months and you're like, Oh, we got all this booty and we didn't have to kill anyone. Your wife looks at you like you did what? <laughs> you didn't kill people to get this? There's no honor in that. <laughs> like, I'm married to a warrior and he did what? I set up a peace treaty and actually we have trading partners now. And she's like, <laughs> there's that expectation in that society of committing violence. Comes so it's sort of like the Mongol hordes too? Yeah, that, that too. Um, they were uh go around take move on it's very locust behavior um but the the viking that raiding behavior kind of coalesced into exactly what you were kind of describing into a feudal system of um extortion from the bottom uh like extortion from the top taking from the bottom and they just like tie it's all the way up and you get one guy who's got like i need more gold rings you know what? I'm bored. Let's do war. <laughs> um, and so everyone's fighting for everyone, but it's it, yeah. Anyway, so we're get, I'm getting a little off track because this is actually useful because we go back. <clears throat> why do and we get this? So we've talked about an eye for an eye, and we got this cycle. Now we go back, and you can say, well, whose fault is it? Well, uh, it's the Germans' fault because they did World War II. Well, no, but the French invaded us in uh in the franco-prussian war well yeah well napoleon blah 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 well you know the the british well actually it's this and you keep going back and you go back and you hit you know like it doesn't there isn't even a starting cause because um we create new slights and we can go back and find two cavemen hitting each other with sticks um and it's still not the beginning it's violence is almost part of our nature and yeah, look at chimps yeah exactly there some when we've done the anthropological studies of chimps we found it's like oh boy that's some genocidal behavior there <laughs> but it's about protecting the the gene uh um the um the underlying mechanism which is what we're we're, we're vessel essentially vessels for putting forward our genetic data. So you have this rudimentary behavior for doing that. Now our rudimentary behavior led us to do something like we can still do that. We can have our cake and eat it too. We can protect our, you know, uh, our, our genetic data and not commit atrocious acts of uh, violence. Now this is, somewhat new well it's not really new because 2000 years ago some guy uh was standing out and being like okay um uh 
the meek shall inherit the earth. You know, those who draw for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. And it's 2000 years ago. And you have these, um, it's not a new idea. You can see it in all these um, old uh, stories, although a lot of them end up, this is the true path. It'll kill you though. Um, and the hubris that you think you can, you know, go over the nature, especially in the Greek mythology. But um, it's like, oh, well, even Hindu society had a lot of that in it too. Eh? Yeah. The, pa- um, the peace versus uh, peace above all else kind of ideas. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it took it as a nobler path, uh, which it is. And um, now one of the ways I think I should get into this is you have this wheel and go back going back as far as we can tell, rolling over everyone and causing the survivors to, you know, get back on the wheel. And we've been fighting this battle for so long. We don't, we've forgotten why we're fighting. We don't really know. And this happens all the time. He's like, why are you, why are you, why do you hate them? Well, because they're, they're, they're on the other side <laughs> or they're these guys and they did this to that and whatever. And it's just like, okay. And we fight them because that's what we do. I have decided I am this and I've decided they are that. And is that like a latent subconscious idea that people have that they fight because they do it or are they actively engaging because it stimulates them some like hmm. viscerally? Yeah, I think it's part of it. It does feel good. You know, um, they, we were the good guys, they were the bad guys and they made a very satisfying thump when they hit the ground, that kind of producing heroes and legends and things like that too. I don't really have anything against heroes, especially if they're mythological. Um, (laughs) everyone's saying, Oh, hero, your hero is actually just a man. It's like, yeah. Now there are certain people we can probably consider heroes. Yes, but you know, there's still people. It's like, yeah, but Martin Luther King is probably pretty darn close. And I was teaching something about the Berlin airdrop and there was a uh, American air force general who orchestrated the whole thing. And I was just like, okay, this guy who fed an entire city for like a year, uh, he did some like pretty heroic stuff. You know, that's, that's, that's a pretty cool thing he did. Um, and they are out there and they're few and far between. And that's probably for the best. Although we can strive to be heroes, but it's, it's harder, but we look towards the, the moral qualities of our, um, of our fictional heroes who can't be corrupted by, you know, being tired and saying one thing out of order and, you know, I'm in the washroom, heroes don't poop, but, um, you know, something like Luke Skywalker or something, or, uh, you know, just this, this these ideals of morality that we have uh and i think there's something to that but that's for another podcast what i'm interested in is um doing for yourself and others something that will stop it now that's you're saying forgiveness is that key yeah it's one of the keys it's not a panacea it's something that you can do in certain situations that will help. Now, 
it, it's not going to stop a flood, but um, the it'll take a load off your shoulders. It'll stop you from engaging in useless battles with people that don't care. Uh, and it's, it's helped me in a lot of things. So one of the things I do in my relationship is I realize that I screw up sometimes. So I'll get angry at something stupid or I'll get tired or something. And what I'll do is I will, um, I'll own up to it. I'll go up and I'll be like, I did this. And it's hard because it, it's really hard because you have to go up there and say, I did this. I, I know it was wrong and I'm asking for forgiveness. And then we, we were able to talk about it. And once it's on the table, it becomes nothing. It just becomes something that happened. And it's hard. It's still hard, even, even after years and years of marriage. Um, and we both do this because it just gets it out of the way. The thing that this little, this little tick on our shoulder, it doesn't become this giant bugbear yelling in our ear that destroys a relationship. We get rid of it as soon as possible. So even if it's the smallest thing, it's like... It never has a chance to snowball and become a big thing. Right. And even if it is a big thing, it just takes a longer forgiveness process. So I did this and, you, you know, they say, okay, yeah, that was pissing me off too. And then, you know, the other side almost has to forgive too. It's like, yeah, I am sorry. I held a grudge, but then I was like, no, no. And then you, it ends up being like this mushy thing that no one wants to watch, but <laughs> I the, love that shit. <laughs> yeah. But like this happens, um, this is part of what, you know, I value the relationship between you know, my wife or a friend or a business partner or anyone more than I do winning this battle. Uh, now, the thing is that on the inside, I feel like the battle is the only thing that's important. There's nothing more important than this battle. And that is a lie. <laughs> so you need to and this it's like I, an instinctive lie right like it's not a yeah, intentional thing because it makes sense in paleolithic times for us to be like they threw a rock at our tribe well what are we going to do oh boy well i don't know what we're going to do but we're going to be doing a whole lot of it <laughs> we're going to be doing it at night so they don't see us coming um, uh, let's prepare a pile of good sharp rocks yeah we'll, we'll donate it to their tribe yeah <laughs> so it's this mechanism. And I think Christianity is probably, and I bring it up because they are probably the, the um, it's come up in others, but I think Christianity probably focused on it the most um, and the almost the most effectively because um, now there are others uh, and because you have this idea of Christian charity. I know you're wretched and poor and want to bite my hand, but uh I'm going to try and help as much as I can anyways. And people put themselves in those Christians that we see as exemplars of Christianity. They quietly go about doing good in our neighborhoods and society and don't make a big fuss about, you know, um, what they're doing. Those are the ones that, those are the actual Christians. <laughs> the, they go about doing good and granting forgiveness, you know, feeding the poor. It's like, it's okay. You still deserve to eat. It's okay. And they go and they do that because you have these um, 
these um the Les Miserables on the bottom there, the forgotten people, they they need this more than anyone else because it the desperation drives people to do things that you know in my world without that desperation would think would be completely unconscionable um and they need it more than anybody um but it's not just about forgiving others or god's forgiveness which i'm not really going to get into if you want to learn about god's forgiveness for humanity or for you go to church read the bible i don't know or um Oh, there's a ton of Christian podcasts and stuff that'll teach you too. I mean, yeah. that is like the fundamental premise of the religion is that Jesus died, Christianity, and yeah. he died for specifically the forgiveness of people's sins. So it's pretty much embedded into any Christian. Yeah, I'd say read some Augustine, but then don't take him too seriously. Uh, but then answer the question, what is sin actually? And then you can move on from there. And then, then you'll find out why God's actually necessary. The term actually derived from math. Yeah. Uh, does it actually? I keep <laughs> well, hearing... archery, but archery, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh original Just to miss is, the mark. There's a few concepts that. that we think are like, oh that's stupid. Like the more I think about it, the more original sin is kind of a neat metaphor for our underlying negative traits. Yeah, um, like our nature. Yeah. So what I wanted to get at is our forgiveness, not you know, someone will always forgive me no matter what I do. It's like, it's not that simple, but it is a mechanism that we can have between each other. So we're going to explore that a bit. Um, and you also need to forgive yourself for stuff that you've done, um, which I've been kind of segueing in slowly to, because we do things to ourselves that we wouldn't even imagine doing to other people. Um, we tell ourselves terrible stories. We, we deprecate um you know ad nauseum it's it, it, it can be healthy push harder go get faster you're not good enough do another rap <clears throat> read another book do but this, it's also know. easy to delve into like nihilism and defeatist mentalities right. and stuff it, from it too right yeah that drive becomes destructive and you end up being um doing more harm than good yeah you need to you need to be hard on yourself but um you do there's a line and like well, nothing matters so i could just you know cut 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 um and then you have scars to show but you also have like why did i do that and you're, you're literally hurting yourself or um well we've all done things that we regret why did past me do that you know, you have to forgive past you, even though he did those cringy things that you don't want to think about. But every time you think about them in the shower right before bed, you just, ah, why did I say, why did I do that? And you don't even want to forgive yourself for that because it's just, ah, oh, I don't even, you don't even want it to be in your past history. Uh, we yeah, all have like a things. shameful memory kind of thing. Yeah. I can't believe I said that in public um, or did that or acted like that. Now, if you do that too often, the thing is, is that, Forgiveness allows you to move forward. And this is, I think, one of the best features of this mechanism feature. Try forgiveness. It's great. It's free, but takes a lot of effort. Um, <laughs> but it's expensive. <laughs> it's expensive. Uh, it's expensive in the short term. It's very it's free. It's free. It's very expensive in the short term. Um, 
but in the long term, you know, it, it's it's like a delete button that takes all your effort to push down. Uh, but once it's pushed, uh, and if you push it properly, but it's a two. It's also it's something that lets you move forward with your own future, with the future with others, or a future as a group. It gives you future, and it clears the path to allow it. Now, that doesn't mean you forget. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not pacifism. Forgiveness is not a lot of things. It's just forgiveness, which is why it's not a panacea. Um, if someone's actually attacking you, um, maybe you should go get the tanks because, <laughs> you know, we built those for a reason. <laughs> we didn't, they, it wasn't just job creation. Um, so um, that's kind of what I want to get into. And so I think you actually, you hit the nail on the head there too, like with forgiveness, allowing you to move on. I think it's a, it, it's pretty much the only first step that you can guarantee is necessary. If you want to get past, uh, I, I don't want to overuse the word traumatic, but like a, a starkly negative event or transgression, let's say, mm -hmm. you need to start with forgiveness because otherwise you're just sort of side skirting around the actual pain that you're, you're still experiencing. Right. Which is needless. It's only going to anchor you rather than help you uh, explore your boundaries or move on. So one of the, one of the things is, is that I don't consider Sorry, you you made an amazing point. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna move oh, on because you, you just <laughs> said it, and I was just like, yeah, that. Um, so one of the things is that is um, forgiveness is in response to an injustice or an perceived injustice, and forgiveness is again not justice. Um, so um, let's just underline that forgiveness is not justice. Um, it happens at similar times to it. Uh, often, but uh, it's not. So, but the thing is, is that the person, the question, I guess, is does a person have to ask for it? If they don't, it's kind of, it's like, oh, I forgive you. And it's just like, oh, jerk. <laughs> but um, it has to be, a, it's, it's not just a you thing. It's the other person. So you have to like almost sit the person down in an awkward form and be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, say it through your teeth because you know you know that you know. Are you sorry? It's like yes, but I still hate you. <laughs> you know, you're still allowed to hate the person after. That's okay. Hatred, forgiveness doesn't absolve hatred, but allows you to work together. You can work with people you don't like. That's, that's how we get through our day. But the um, it's it's a two-party thing so if buddy okay sorry to me an injustice so if someone actually asks for forgiveness from me usually i don't grant it because usually i don't really see it as an injustice um now this kind of sounds pompous as heck but bear with me because is i'm canadian so we ask for forgiveness a lot. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now I'm going to just go, don't apologize unless you consciously um, did something against me. Otherwise, it's just a, you're making uh, the word meaningless. So unless you were actively malevolent against me uh, or did something that... Uh, 
out of negligence or something, then I would want one. But like, if you just bump into me and say, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just like, dude, <laughs> like, I don't, it's okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But, it sort of shows an intent of uh Yeah, of intent is important. It's like a communication more so than an actual literal apology. Which is why it's so hard because you did something that you thought was um, not, <clears throat> which was uh, in your interest. So you did it in the past. Now, we are very biased towards the people that are ourselves. <laughs> but, um, and we tend to think like I did it. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to defend my actions as part, as part of it. So I guess step one is admitting that there's a problem. I did something wrong. Now, it usually comes from the fact that there's enmity between a person. Now, if you care about the en enmity, then that means that there is at least a hope. You seem to, okay, there's a problem between me and my, um, someone in my family. So I could just not care and move on, but I want to have a functioning family because that's important. Um, yes, it is important. And, um, I see the reason. So this isn't a selfless act. Both parties want something. It's a give and take. Uh, but I need to trade forgiveness. I need to trade apology for forgiveness so that I can keep it. Now, this is a very ideal situation. One party acknowledges their mistake, another party. And this can be done through self, um, self-realization. You know, you meditate on it. You're like, oh, this is the thing that's bugging me. I'm, you come to the guy's door in the middle of the night and be like, I'm sorry. God. Okay, finally got it off my chest. Now. But it you almost know. sounds like that type of apology is more for the person themselves than it is for the person they're apologizing to. It's like to relieve their own guilt, they need to do it. And well, that's, how does that sort of jive when it's a selfish apology versus a, is that still sincere? It can opinion? be. I think it can be. Because um, if you coerce someone into uh, asking for forgiveness, the other thing is that society is watching. Um, and forgiveness is a... Uh, now this kind of gets into game theory, I guess. I work with you, you work with me, you work with me, I cheat you. Mm. Okay, I cut you, you, then you cheat me, and then you know, and I cheat you, and then okay, 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 okay. Then I come to you and I say, okay, okay, let's not do this, and then, uh, then we do tit for tat, and then uh, we all will all go back to things. So, these things don't happen in a vacuum. So because people are watching, because we have a society uh, and it's just because it's self-serving doesn't mean it's immoral. It's kind of what I'm saying here. Um, you saw someone cheat another person and then they made amends. Okay. So we can play again. Now, if they cheat again, well, we can't trust them again. It's like a repeat offender, essentially. Uh, you can't, it's like, dude, this is the third time this month that we've caught you stealing cars. Like we got, we gave you a warning. Cause you know, you were in with a bad crowd, blah, 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 blah. You're, we forgave you tentatively, but you think we're going to forgive you again? No, no, no. You have to earn your forgiveness through community service, incarceration, uh, blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, if this is 300 years ago, cutting off your hand. Uh, and then no forgiveness. So um, it 
the the reputation of an individual is also part of their um, their social capital that they have. And if and part of that is trust, I want people to trust me again. I want people. So the person asking for forgiveness is asking to be let back into the game. And the person granting the forgiveness uh, is um, you know, they're acting as a gatekeeper, uh, essentially, but they're also um, they're also issuing a warning. You know, if you do that, like I'm gonna grant you this because I will feel magnanimous in my uh, in my forgiveness, but they'll also be issuing a warning, you know, don't, we're watching, society's watching. It's unconscious. It doesn't, it's not like somebody's keeping tally. It doesn't work like that. Um, but. Is that part of every piece of forgiveness? Is there always like an element to a warning? Like, don't do it again. Um, to some extent. Cause I go up, like, even when I go up to my wife and I do something stupid, um, I'll, uh, I'll say like, I learned my lesson. I am growing as a person. Cause you have that element of it, right? You know, it's like you, you do something stupid. You say something stupid. It's just like, I have learned to be more than I was. I learned that that I was immoral then. And now I will be more moral now, or at least I'll try. And, you know, for a time you watch each other, especially if it's a, if it's a grievous, if I just say, if I'm just like, pulling her pigtails or something and she just gets annoyed then I'll just ask for forgiveness and i'll just be like okay i didn't notice the signs now i know the signs and won't do that at when that thing but if i do something you know, heinous um then forgiveness needs to be earned to some extent um because you need to have that that that, that relationship of trust built back up because when there's trust then people can do business they can they can engage in relationships and then peace can flourish. Now, my, that's kind of, but they have to kind of ask for it um, in that scenario, because it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I want to be let back into the game. You know, please forgive me. I see what it was wrong. Or you get, like, oftentimes it's not enough. They'll try and get away with having, you know, cheat again. They'll try and get away with asking forgiveness falsely. It's like, oh, I know what it was wrong, but he had it coming you know, or, well, they were, you know, they're part of that political party. So bleh. it's like, it's not a very good freaking, that's not a very but good. A lot of people do that, that self, or not even a lot of people. I think we all do that to some degree. Like we make excuses to sort of um, justify our own actions or at least the severity of our actions to ourselves. Like a, a lot of people will find it easier to ask for a simple forgiveness or what, what's that quote? Um, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission, something like that. Oh yeah. So I can't remember who quoted that, but yeah, that's, I don't even know who that is. I don't know. Look it up. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, everybody knows it. <laughs> yeah. It's easier for us for forgiveness and ask for permission. Uh, now, like that sort of falls into that line where you're making an excuse for what you're doing. And because you can justify it morally to yourself, you feel only kind of like socially obligated to offer an apology just because that's the convention of the day. Um, yeah. It's uh, not really sincere though, in my opinion, when it's just a matter of routine, like uh, that's even more heinous than committing the act and, yeah. and not considering the other person at all. I'm definitely guilty of that. Uh, I, uh, I refinished the balcony paint uh, on my balcony 
I didn't tell him. It's just like, well, if he finds out, he'll ask for forgiveness. I'm not even asking for permission. I'm just going to refinish the balcony. And, you know, so I sanded off the rust and gave it a coat of black paint. And it's just yeah. there. Or like there. I rendered our last video before getting approval from you on the background. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> like, like <laughs> that's just expediency. And I don't think what I was doing was immoral. You know, I'm no, but what you were doing was expediency too. You wanted yeah. the balcony painted, right? So, you know, but then there's a thing like he was in my way. So I shot him in the face. Yeah. It's been shot him 48 times. It's like, well, he had to come. No. Um, in the but, back. <laughs> yeah. And then. But how, how does that play into forgiveness is sort of what I was asking. Like, Well, I guess that because everything's circumstantial in this. So you, you have to. Um, but does an insincere apology warrant uh, sincere forgiveness? To me, that's just more cheating. Um, and, you know, someone who someone can be taken in it. Like you, you get someone who's overly trustworthy uh, or, you know, they just think the person's so handsome and dashing that they'll, you know, forgive anything um, that. Uh, Speaking but, from personal experience there. Or what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> What will it get me? No. <laughs> I'm going to render a little twinkle in your eye when you say that. <laughs> um, so, um, <laughs> the, uh, what were they talking about? Oh, yeah. I guess what I'm coming down to is the value of an, uh, is since, is the sincerity of forgiveness um, contingent or does it hinge upon the sincerity of the apology or is it still advisable to, award forgiveness or is there like maybe there's a gradient of forgiveness in between you know well, absolute and not at all well i guess the um it all comes again it's it, it, it's a gradient that keeps changing based on situation so if you are convicted of stealing a car and you know you get sent to jail and you're like hmm, sucks being in jail for a year or something and uh all of a sudden this jail guy comes out and he's like, you're like, what, what do you want? And he's like, okay, we're letting you out. And you're like, why? I've been here two weeks. It's like, well, we went to war and uh, yeah, uh, they're attacking and they're aliens and um, we need you on the front line. So you're forgiven and there's <laughs> a gun. So <laughs> by the way, you have a job now <laughs> or um, like in like a, we have that in this in Canada, we have that new legislation with um, the legalization of weed. And so it makes sense now in our minds, why wouldn't we forgive small like possession and trafficking charges when it's legal now, which, you know, it's like, yeah, cause it was illegal then. Well, okay. That that's, that's correct. But you know, maybe we could show a little clemency, be the bigger person in, in history and, and there's that there's definitely that um that uh strain going through it, it, it kind of waxes and wanes as things do um and back then it was this is drugs but now it's like this is weed everyone's got it uh and society didn't collapse so maybe we should you know help a few people out by forgiveness and um they're they're asking for it but maybe they're not and they just like either get a letter in the mail and they say oh yeah bt dubs you're uh 
that weed charge you have is no longer on the books. And they're like, oh, that's nice. You know, they're living a fine life anyway. They didn't didn't matter to them, you know, uh, or something. They, they got through life without it anyways. Um, so it, it, it's very circumstantial. Now, my question is, can we forgive someone if they don't ask for it? You know, you just go up to someone and be like, I know what you did was wrong, but I see that you've changed as a person. And I just want you to know that you're still um, like, I, I don't hold you uh, any enmity towards you anymore. And the guy's like, no, that's, that's great. Or what? <laughs> and um well, they tell you to shove off. <laughs> yeah. Now there's now that was one of the things I was going to get into was um, false forgiveness, and I thought that would be almost a small thing because you know you see the um, those Hari Krishnas uh, historically, I guess that's historically now, but they'd come up to people and here's a flower, and then you know be like, oh, that's neat, and they they give a little you know Hari Krishna wisdom, and um, which you know is kind of just like sounds nice it's all cryptic but doesn't really mean anything i said it um but and they ask you for money it's just like oh you jerks <laughs> um but then you get you know sometimes the christians do this and they'll, they'll, they'll like ambush you and forgive you oh, catholicism is founded on paying for for forgiveness yeah. like that's the whole fundamental now, premise seems... to their creed yeah, I, I met a I met a few Christians who you know you mentioned the Catholic Church and it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what Lutheranism was, right? And yeah. Protestantism, it was the rejection of ca- uh, Catholic well, charging people essentially for. I'd uh, say Luther, absolution. Luther didn't really expect uh, that what he was when he was nailing that stuff to the wall. He was uh, he he thought of himself as a bit of a. Um, scholar and reformer and he actually didn't think that the 95 theses were you know this big thing that would change the world he was just it was a, it was a scholarly thing and everyone just read it and was like yeah <laughs> and all of a sudden they're like down with the catholic church and he's like um uh, wait wait um but he um, did know he was risking his life nailing it to the door though he did know there was an element to it he thought that no one would he didn't think anyone would take it he thought it would only be read by a couple scholars in the town, but the Catholic church got a hold of it. And they're like, what is this? And circumstances be what they were at that time. And he leaned into it essentially. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that whole, you will be forgiven and sent from purgatory into heaven when you pay money. It's like, that's, that's holding forgiveness hostage. That's not how forgiveness works. So you're forgiving someone so they can get into heaven, which is the whole point of Jesus coming down saying, I forgive all of humanity uh, because I know that they're you know, inherently sinful. So, you know, God and all his clemency will grant forgiveness. You have to earn it because you have to earn it. And um, <laughs> then you can go to heaven. Now the Catholic church saying, yeah, you got to earn it. But part of earning it is you know, cha-ching. So that's part of that, you know, holding that's, I guess that's not even, that's not that really sort of falls under the fake forgiveness is why I bring it up. Cause you had be mentioned like holding forgiveness for ransom, but yeah, yeah, that's pretty fake though. Well, then there's token forgiveness, um, you know, forgiveness for political means or forgiveness or public forgiveness. Um, or like you get a hockey player who did a stupid thing and then they go in front of the media saying, I am sorry. I am so sorry I did the thing. 
like BP's oil spill. Well, I'm thinking even yes, like BP's oil. The CEO spill. going on TV and like saying, "I'm so sorry," when they tried to like hide it and not install yeah. redundant safety valves and to things me, like that's, that. Yeah, that's, yeah, okay. Token false forgiveness. Yeah, that's kind of like that. I'm sorry. We'll make better boats. No, we'll do this. <laughs> You're not even going to pay attention. You're going to forget about us in ten seconds once the once the uh, McDonald's commercial runs. Um, just kind of like, but you get these, so people understand how forgiveness works almost instinctually. Like I, I, so you, you realize that, you know, they, these companies realize that and they do the the thing or you get celebrities coming out being like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I said that, like that thing on Twitter in 2008, I, I didn't know the depth of my misunderstanding. And they're sitting there being like, what the heck is going on? on? Just say that. And they're like, maybe it's just like, just say the thing. <laughs> and like, I, and I'm just like reading the tweet going like, oh, I don't see it, but okay. And now he's saying that. All right. And like, or you listen to a podcast online and then, you know, two days later, they come up with an apology for something that you didn't even know needed to be apologized for. And that's kind of worrying, but like wearing blackface in high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm actually, I'm not really happy with him right now. Um, yeah, with, but I've, if you've watched enough of our podcasts, you can probably figure out why I'm not happy with him. With yeah, it has nothing to do with something he did as a teenager. <laughs> no, I'm, I like, Oh, he wore blackface as a teenager. It's like, dude, Teenagers are the dumbest people ever. I know because I was one and I met a lot of them. Yeah, and they sold it in stores. So obviously adults didn't think it was wrong and he wasn't an adult yet. Like but then like you get that um was it the community episode where one guy dresses up as a dark elf and it's like we can't do his black it's blackface. It's like that is not a forgivable offense. Yeah. It's not offense. <laughs> He's like read but the it falls under that fake apology thing where they force people to like apologize for something they didn't even consider right. offensive so to grant and ask for the whole mechanism of forgiveness requires there to actually be an offense um and it for it to be sincere and for the mechanism to work through its entire continuum between like you did something bad you feel guilt i then you admit you feel guilt and then after the admittance of feel guilt you make a show of guilt by saying I am sorry. And then you ask for it. You, uh, But then you ask for it from the person who can actually absolve you. Now, we have proxies um, in the form of, uh, uh, I guess we have wise men, priests, and we Lawyers, have the judges. justice system. <laughs> well, and the justice system, uh, well, I've been forgiven by the justice system before. Um, you have too. I remember one particular interest. In Instance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have um, several times. <laughs> yeah, uh, when when you know there's that thing and the cop comes by and he sees you and you're just all like, I don't know, the fireworks did the thing and you're just like, and the cops like, it's cool, we're we're out of here. <laughs> mm. um, you've just been forgiven. It's they have the authority to do that, but like at the same time, if you say something to a um, you know, a loved one and they, and it was in bad taste or you 
are estranged or something and you try and make amends or something, something that you feel guilt about, you have to go to that person or to representative or a proxy of that person, someone who can grant it. Not anyone can grant it. It's That's why I'm saying this is circumstantial and you know. And if, you're, if you don't know, then you're lying to yourself. Now, the worst thing is if anyone related to that is um, deceased, because then you're going to have to deal with that yourself. You know, you ask forgiveness from a deceased person and you're gonna have to work that out for a long time. And that's sort of like dealing with uh, forgiving yourself for something, right? That sort of falls more into that category once they're gone. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, because I was talking earlier about um, forgiving yourself for stuff you do to yourself, but you will have to work this out for yourself because you have to examine your guilt and examine, you know, what you did wrong, how you can correct it, blah, 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 blah. Um, and what you can do better in the future. Um, I think these are like think pieces now in school that they force them to do, which are like just proxy introspective thought. Uh, but um, they, uh, yeah, you have to go through that. And it's, it's not a easy process because you have to admit that to yourself that what you did was wrong and you have to go through it again. You have to be honest with yourself because you know, rebuilding yourself and change is always a, a difficult process because you're confronting the things and the, the suppositions that make you, you, and you have to almost change reality. It's, I guess you could call it like cognitive behavioral therapy uh, to some extent, but uh, I think maybe cognitive behavioral therapy is taking a bunch of these old mechanisms and, you know, fleshing them out in a scientific manner. So it's like, here's how it actually works. Um, mm. But we've known a lot of these mechanisms instinctually for a very, very long time. Hence why we have these, um, these sacred books of religion and philosophy that people read and go, there's something here. I'm going to try this based on what I've done. And this happens. And that's sort of like a natural truth arising just from like generation after generation of people thinking and communicating amongst themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think. So it's yeah. not literally word for word that they're telling oh, you no. exactly what is part of human nature. It's just like the ideas kind of yeah. coalesce themselves. Yeah. It's if you've ever read poetry, you know, this, you, you don't, you never, it's like, I don't get it. It's like, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to be like, and you read it and you think it's kind of like this and you kind of end up at some truth accidentally. And then you read it again and you realize it wasn't accidentally. It's like, okay, these words came together to say something, but then you read another book and the word, the ideas are there too in completely different words. So you have infinite variation to, of the same idea um, in most every idea, because, you know, our words are insufficient which is why it's so much more important to try to do this, to enunciate these ideas that are um, not easy to um, say. Now, we, we, all under, we all kind of understand instinctively forgiveness, but I, I think it's very valuable to actually go through it ad nauseum forever and all time, because this is something I think personally that needs to be reinforced. Um, keep going with your forgiveness. Keep going for your like try and get out of your guilt, try and get out of your self-loathing because this guilt causes 
stress. And I'm not going to go into some mystical stuff saying you, guilt will ravage your soul, blah, 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 blah. Which is just a metaphor for causes stress. Stress causes harm on your system. It causes strain on your system. Strain leads to damage in your system. And your physical body is you. And if your physical body is hurt by stress, well, guess what? You're hurt and now you're not as effective. And maybe now you, so like it's, it, it's, you can become a tragedy of your own making and whether you want to call it, you know, damage to the soul or damage to the person, it's the same thing. And self-loathing and hate and regret from these things will reinforce the negative tendencies and confronting um, the darker side of your actions will allow you to move on from them. And I think forgiveness is the thing that does that. Um, it, you can, you know, it's like, oh, I hurt them. So then I got rid of them. You know, you could go, you know, you, you harm somebody and then they die and you're like, oh, good, they're dead. I'm absolved of my sin. No, you still did the thing. Like if they were alive still, they'd still hate you just because they're dead. Now nobody's going to find out about your indiscretion. So, but you still did the thing. It's still inside of your head. You are it's still eating away at you and you have to deal with it. You have to confront the things that are, um, that are torturing you because they'll become, like you said earlier, they'll become bigger and they'll destroy you. And that is through, you know, self-loathing and stress and uh, poor psychological and you end up with a different perspective. You, you go from having, you could go from being a hopeful person to being someone who um, doesn't care anymore. You start dabbling in nihilism and solipsism, uh, which allows you to uh, rationalize anything. So, and then you start looking for targets. So one of the things that I think I'm going to kind of segue here again to another topic. Before you do, let me just um, point out one thing that you're yeah. saying that just for clarity's sake, I guess what you're saying is um, it, it sort of compounds on itself. Your quality of life is impacted by it, right? Whether that's your emotional quality of life or your relationships or, um, or just like the, the, the desecration of your core values, as you stated before, it's like a core value protection mechanism kind of deal. Um, I think that is, it, it's like a tool or um, an action that you can take to protect your yourself, like your inner self from harm, not like physical harm, but like forgiveness helps protect your, your mind and body from the stress of compounding anxieties, basically, is what you're getting at, right? Yeah. And you can easily dig yourself a hole um, in your in your, um, I guess we could call it a couple of things in your soul, in your, um, your essence, your essence, your psychological makeup. Uh, and there's a lot of ways for this, but we, it's like, don't compound your, don't compound your woe. <laughs> and a lot of that and, uh, comes from where you place the, blame for the injustices that happen in your own life i find because there's 
it's a lot more useful to me uh, and I've been a lot more, um, I've had a lot more utility in the um, utilitarian sense. Um, that which does more utility is does more good. Um, a la John Stuart Mill or Bentham. But <laughs> I like Mill better than Bentham. Um, but uh, the it's done me more utility to place blame for things that happen at my own feet. It's an internal structure. And rarely do I have um, the almost privilege, I guess, of, because it's easier to place blame on others. Uh, I can't believe you've done this. Um, I can't believe you have done this. Um, is a rare thing because it's, I'm actually very rarely the target of malicious behavior. Uh, maybe because, I mean, like, because maybe it's easier for me now to place the blame on my own feet and ex an internal locus of, uh, of guilt. So, um, you know, in, in like psychology, first year psychology courses, they're saying like a lot of the, uh, things that happen to people happens externally, but it's, I find that to be very unhealthy because you are responsible for your, the actions of your body and the actions uh, of your person. And the, the fact that you see like things externally, uh, you know, you're just dealing with external forces oppressing you or this or that. And, you know, it's always other people acting um, upon you and you're dealing with external uh, people because the world is a place where everyone's out for each other. That's the most cynical BS I have ever heard. And it's constant because and it's lazy too. It's lazy because you are one of those people that are acting on other people. Yeah. <laughs> so it's easier for me to say, okay, what did I do wrong in this situation? What am I doing wrong? Now people do, you know, and I, I've done malicious things. I'm not a saint by far. I'm not a saint. Um, the, but I try to be at least good. Um, uh, and you make up for it when you slip up, you try and I know this just from having known you for so long. Like if, if you do slip up and apologize, you actually go out of your way to try and show affection to, to sort of prove that you're sincere, not proof as in, I don't believe you, but as an extra show of apology, um, a lot of people don't do that when they don't take ownership of their own, their own issues, right? <clears throat> Say they'll, uh, they'll offend somebody, they'll throw out that casual fake apology, and they'll never take ownership of the harm they've caused from that. Yeah. That, uh... Well, I, I don't know, maybe that's a natural thing that I do now, but I can't think of an instance of me doing that. I don't know. Let's, let's not, oh, I can give you tons. <laughs> let's, not, let's not get bogged down in examples. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do. I do prefer to be um, humble. Yes, humble. I know. Uh, it's like yeah. that's why I'm saying it, and you're not. I'm saying yeah. there is another way of going about it where you can where you can show emphasis to an apology as mm -hmm. well. So there, there's ways of decorating apologies. I guess is what I'm getting at. Put it lightly. Yeah, and. I think that forgiveness has to come from that place of uh, realization. 
because you can't really say I did it because, you know, I'm part of the lower class and I just needed to. It's like, okay, um, uh, your desperation does not uh, allow you the privilege of theft. <laughs> I'm mm. sorry. No. <laughs> um, and you do have to deal with your circumstances. And that's, that's a tragedy. But it's a tragedy for all of us because all of our lives are tragedies. Um, especially if you um, love somebody, anybody, uh, life becomes that much more tragic the moment uh, you start caring for somebody or for them and you. Yeah. And it's worth it, but it's, it's hard and it's hard for everybody. And we need to realize that. And that's why we ask for forgiveness because we are all in this together. We're all in the same boat. And that's why we brought up game theory because we're all playing the game. We're all in this game and we start cheating and uh, cheating in the game uh, theory sense. You know, you make the, uh, that you make the malicious move instead of the uh, cooperative move. Um, that, that might be a good place to sort of lead into a, a quick break. And then we can, when we come back, we can get more into like the game theory and the cycle of, uh, of yeah, violence. I'm and, not, yeah, I'd like to get into the cycle of violence. I'd also like to get into actually, yeah. So I, I would like to start part two with a, um, with part of one of the best and most famous examples of forgiveness and no, it's not the clemency of Caesar, because that was a very self-serving forgiveness. Um, although it did keep the peace. He did avoid a lot of battles by forgiving his enemies. Um, look into it. Read the commentaries. Uh, it's, he was a very smart guy, even if he was a bit of a butcher. Um, so, I'll, um, yeah, I'll see you in part two, and uh, we'll be right back. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.